first off, don't put the pressure on yourself. We're like, I need to be a rainmaker and I need to come up with the one offer that's going to change the world. Go the opposite way. Be like, I'm going to think of 20 of them. 17 are going to be horrible, but quantity leads to quality, right? Is like a way to think about it. I'm Jim Huffman, and this is If I Was Starting Today, a collection of conversations about half-baked startup ideas, growth tactics, and stories from founders, including my own journey as a business owner. All of the content is centered around one question. What would you do if you were starting today? Hello. Today on the podcast, I am sharing a talk I did uh, with Techstars. Techstars is a startup accelerator. They're one of the biggest ones in the world. And I was lucky enough to get together with 20 of their founders and do a talk for about an hour on the idea of how the heck do you grow your startup? Um, Hopefully this is helpful for you all. It was a visual presentation and the video should be ready hopefully today, if not in a few days, and it'll be on the podcast YouTube channel. But even if you can't see, I think you should get a lot from this. We talk about you know, what to do before you grow, how to think through finding the right people, how to speak to them, how to create an irresistible offer. Then we go through a few actual tactical growth plans that companies have used to grow and scale. Um, Then I field some questions at the end. So if you're really trying to think through how to grow your company or the company you work for, hopefully this can give you some ideas, whether it's tactics, case studies, or examples to inspire what you're doing, but really hope you enjoy this talk that I did with Techstars Seattle. I put like a theme to this, a very simple, how do you grow your startup or how the heck do we grow a startup? So one thing that we're doing, we're like, hey, if we're such a good growth team, why can't we grow our own stuff? Our goal is not to be an agency. Our goal is to be a startup studio, just to be very candid. And so we, we're doing the $3 million challenge where we're trying to grow three companies to seven figures. Obviously, Growth Head has hit that. We have a productized service called One Day Design. We just crossed 130K in sales. And we have a D2C brand called Handsome Chaos. It's, it sells men's dry shampoo. So we document everything we do there, like what we learn, what we fail with. It's all on Twitter right there. So there we go. Okay. So let's talk about you all and where you're at in your journey. I'm going to make some assumptions. You guys have seen this fun startup curve. You launch, everybody cares, your mom cares. The day after launch, nobody cares cares. You're in the trough of sorrow. Nobody wants to use your products or services, whatever that is. You start to get some traction. Maybe you have product market fit, but then you hit another plateau. You're like, oh, we have something people like, but how the heck do I go up this curve of of repeatable, scalable way to grow, right? And so you might be here or you might be here, are my guesses, usually at Techstars pre or post product market fit. And I'm going to have the chats open. Does this resonate? How many people do you feel like you're still trying to figure out traction and product market fit? And how many people are like, Hey, we have something, but I need to go up this curve and feel free. I'll have my chats open so we can see some, a little bit of signals, but you're not just overflowing and money coming in. Got it. Simultaneously trough of sorrow and wiggles of false hope. I like that wiggles. Okay. This is great. So 
that's kind of what I assumed. So I'm going to do something a little bit different today on how we think about growth. So this is what I see a problem that people have. They start to focus on growth when they're not ready. And that's a great way to fail fast and burn your money really fast. You're sending traffic to a site that doesn't convert. You're you're growing, but you're paying for it. And it's not profitable over the long haul. Or maybe you get some small wins, but it's not repeatable and sustainable. So, so what do we do, right? So let me talk about growth in two very simple categories. First is I want you to think about building a foundation of growth, growth, validate that it works in the fastest and cheapest way possible, and then scale. And like this is something with our little startup studio, we're trying to create a validation machine on how we validate. And this is what we're doing. So first is there's four simple things. One is that positioning. You guys have done a lot of exercises around this. You're probably annoyed with it, but what's that unique value prop? And I don't want like a fancy value prop elevator pitch. I want the language that your customers use where you speak to them. And the key thing is differentiation. How do you stand out in a crowded market? The other thing that I'm thinking through is it's not talked about enough, but is what is that irresistible offer that makes people go from, oh, that's a cool product to that's awesome. I'm going to sign up for it now. And I'm going to give you a formula that can hopefully help you today. The second is, after you nail down your positioning and your persona and the competitive landscape, what are your guardrails as a business with your unit economics? What can you spend to acquire a customer? What is that LTV? And you're not going to know these right now, but let's start to model that out to get a feel of a CAC, cost per acquisition, ceiling, and lifetime value. The other thing is, especially with B2B companies, you know, what are we looking at with churn or cross-sells and upsells or expansion revenue? And also your seasonality. There's a concept of content creation and con- or demand capture and demand creation. Demand capture is people are already searching for this. You're trying to find it. Demand creation, people don't know about your category. They don't know why they should care and you need to make them care. And we're going to talk about that as well and when to do that based on your seasonality. The third thing, we need to build you a conversion machine. Before you overinvest in paid ads or partnerships or whatever that is, do you have a funnel that converts and that works? Whether we call it a funnel or a loop and think of it from two perspectives. One, UI, UX, design. The second is positioning, copywriting. And then the fourth is you're like, okay, I got my positioning. I know what my unit economics are. I think I have a website that's a conversion machine. Can you then pull the levers and drive traffic? There's four ways you can get you can grow. You can pay for growth, you can grow organically, you can grow through virality, or you can grow through partner channels. What's right for you at this phase? If you're getting to an A round of funding, in our experience, we've seen you only need to write one of those to get to that A round. So quality over quantity rather tr- than trying to do everything. If you can prove this out, then it's game on to scale, right? Then it gets really exciting. So let's kind of break this down a little bit. I'll show you the classic funnel. You guys have seen this and you're going to get this deck, by the way. So you guys know this. Oh, you know, what are we building here? Is this the classic B2B funnel, like lead with content, white papers, freemium model, free trial? Are you a B2C funnel where we need to get their attention? Maybe it's like a BOGO, it's a discount, it's a subscription. What is that? So that's something that we'll be thinking through. The other is, what are your options? You're like, I am overwhelmed as a founder right now wearing all these different hats. 
how do I grow? And so this is from the book Hacking Growth by Sean Ellis. He says, these are your 27 options for growth. And they're in three simple categories. Right now, you can grow through virality or word of mouth marketing. You know, we're talking, you can do the fun online video, you can do a referral campaign, you can do community engagement, you can do giveaways. I'm happy to go in examples of all of these. You can grow organically through SEO, through content marketing, community building. You can pay for growth, ads on podcasts, you know, Google, Facebook. These are your options. These are the tools in the tool belt. And what is right for you? So let me show you how I make this decision. And I'll even show you what we're doing for our own agency growth hit. So here's how I think about growth. Two simple categories. What are your always on growth channels and tactics that you're always going to be doing? And then the second is, what are your marketing moments or growth events you can bake into the calendar? These are things that aren't going to be like set and forget it, but you can do either one time or ongoing basis. So to give examples, the always on growth channels are obvious, right? It's like always be doing ads on social or Google. We're always doing SEO driven content. We're always doing email. We always have our referral campaign going or you're doing community as marketing. We're always investing in community. Your marketing events, and just again, in my experience, the companies that I've seen exponential growth, it's because the founders are secretly amazing marketers that make noise. Each month, they're making noise. So what are your options for making noise? Product launch, obviously, right? Some sort of partnership or influencer campaign, some sort of collaboration, whether it's a partner channel if you're doing B2B or some sort of other brand if you're B2C. You could do giveaways. You can do PR stunts, PR launches. Salesforce has put on a masterclass over the years at PR stunts from going to events and putting their salespeople in Ubers and taxis to talk to their competitors, customers. That, that's a big one. Um, I'm a big fan of this, but doing a podcast tour, you should get on like 50 to 100 podcasts, but only do it when you have something really exciting to talk about. You can do offline activations and events. You can pick a fight or write a trend. What's going to be happening this year where you can write a movement? And this is my favorite, but it's engineering is marketing. Can you make a product where the goal is lead acquisition? So just to be honest, here's what we're doing with Growth It. Here's our always on channels. And here's our growth events that we're working on. Our always on, it's we're going big into short form video content. We're doing Google ads. We do social ads. We're launching a community and we're going big into reviews. Our marketing moments, we're actually going to do a startup giveaway and make startups and just give them away. We're doing a PR stunt in Q2. And so we're, we're trying to like document all this and show it because we've seen it work so well with, with certain brands. So that's how I think about growth is these two simple bucket buckets. So the question for you is, you have limited time, limited money. Where can you be focusing right now to do it really well? Because I think being thoughtful and quality is, is big, especially right now. So I'll pause there. I'll look in the chat to see if there's any questions. But even before you do this, I want to tell you where to start. But okay, cool. So again, I'm going to talk about customers and personas and are you really solving a problem? Because you cannot like 
over-index on this, right? This is everything right now at the phase that you're at as you're looking to get traction and product market fit. Because the truth is nobody cares about your product, right? They care about themselves and the the problem you're going to help them solve or how you're going to make them look good, make them look smart. So with that in mind, if they don't care about us, what do they care about and how do we speak to them? So this is maybe my favorite framework I've seen in the past year. It's actually from Derek Halpern. I wish I could take credit. I've totally stolen it, but I put the link here so you can watch the video. So there are three different personas you could be thinking through. So your early adopters, usually they are the informed buyer. This is the person that is informed. They're already using a competitor, but they're not happy. So how do we speak to them if they're informed? They're switching. So you talk to them with features and benefits. That's how you get their attention. Because it's, you know, the, the, actually I'll show some examples of one day design on how we do that. So let me go to that real quick. With one day design, it's, hey, are you using like an overpriced design agency? Switch with this on-demand agency where you just pay by the page. So notice how we're talking about features and benefits because they're informed. The second persona, this is as you go to the fast followers and you get out of traction and you're looking to really grow more. Um, they have a problem. They aren't informed, but they know they have a problem. So how do we speak to them? It's a simple simple problem solution framework. So another example of that with one day design, it's, hey, is your website leaking money? Why don't you get a design that is optimized to convert? So notice how it's problem solution format. And it's the same product. We're just using a different language. And then the third one, this is where you're probably like an A or B round of funding and you're going to the masses. This person is oblivious. They're not informed. They have a problem, but they're not aware of it. How do we speak to them? You just need to get their attention. And that's where you have to get really creative. So one like framework for that is, hey, you know, learn how I turned an idea into a real website overnight. How'd I do that? I use one day design. We're testing all of this and documenting this on, on what's working and what's not. So Something to think about. Who are you speaking to right now? Is it the informed person, the afflicted person, the oblivious? And does that language meet them where they're at with with how they approach it and, and think about it? So anyway, hopefully that's helpful. Let me kind of go to... A few other things that I want to hit on on positioning. I'm going to go through this kind of fast, but just so you can... I want to overflow your mind with some ideas through examples. So... You know, Sean Ellis talks about, you know, if you you know you have product market fit, if you can pass the 40% test, where if you talk to your email list or your paying customers, and if you ask them, hey, if we went away, how would that make you feel? And if they are very disappointed, if over 40% say that, you have traction. And so, you know, if with these people that would be disappointed if you went away, you need to ask them, why do you like our offering? What value do we add? And as you hear from them, I want you to try and put their language into different frameworks. One language is the problem solution framework that we talked about. You know, I put some examples here like rocket money, you know, it's like easily cancel your subscriptions you don't use, right? It's I love this. You help me like save $100 per year. You could be a funny problem. Adam shoes the shoes not in quarter or in half sizes, but in quarter sizes, and your feet are usually different sizes. So you can order a different size for your left foot versus your right foot. And so that's the problem they solve. 
your language that people love you for could be the benefit. This is one of my favorites when I talk about engineering as marketing. This is Wealthfront. They have what is called a high yield cash savings account where you could put your money in your savings account. It makes 0.1%. So 50K makes $50. Or you put into their high yield cash savings account, it gets almost 3% and makes a grand. By the way, you all just fell asleep as I try to explain a high yield cash savings account to you. So what they did was they're like, okay, people fall asleep and we pitch this, we'll make a tool. How much money do you have in your savings? You have 50K, boom, you can make an extra grand versus just making 50 bucks. So what's that benefit? And how can you not tell them about the benefit? How can you show it to them, right? So that's one kind of idea. This is my favorite, but use cases. If you are launching something that's truly innovative and that's a new category, we can't tell them about it. We can't show them about it. We need to hold their hand and show them how to use it. Spanx launched to eight figures on the back of one use case around their new category, shapewear. Because if their ads and their go-to-market was like, hey, try shapewear, you'll love it. It's you know made with this material. Like People like people would say, I have no idea what shapewear is. But they went to the use case like, hey, you're wearing pants and it's showing a panty line? Let us help you. Or you want to wear that silk dress, but you're self-conscious because it's showing rolls? Use, use shapewear. So how can you lean into those use cases? Another one is experience, Warby Parker's home trial program, Figma with design collaboration platform. It could just be that experience that people love you for. And then finally, um, it could be your mission and what you stand for if you're Tom's or, or Bombas. So I, I went through that kind of quickly, but remember, we're trying to figure out the language we use to get these early adopters. What is it? And it can surprise you as you start to talk to them, you know, what it will be that gets their attention. But unfortunately, there that's just the, the tip of the iceberg. We need to do something to get people to activate right away. So there's something that we're a little obsessed with, and it's this idea of offers. Because what I hate seeing is startups work really hard on an amazing product, but then their offer to get people in the funnel is an afterthought. So they have this amazing product that doesn't get the time of day because they don't know how to get people into the funnel. So what if we flipped it on its head? And we actually did something around offer-led growth, where you started with the offer, and that was the main thing. So I want to give you a framework on how you think through offers. So let, let's put so let's put it into a structure. So we're we're calling this the offer-led growth flywheel, and it starts with what is that irresistible offer? If you know those early adopters, the people whose problems you're solving, who are switching over to you, you know they're going to love your product. How do you take it a step further and make it an irresistible offer that if in, think of the most skeptical customer and they have 15 seconds to read the hero section of your homepage, but they see an offer so good, they're like, all right, fine, you will get my information. I have to take this. What would that be? How do you take something commoditized and make it something truly unique and special? The second is, can we build an optimized user journey where you take that offer and use that to hold their hand to become an actual converted customer. Because if you can do these two things, then it's game on where we're in the, the world of demand capture, demand creation, and how we can start filling the funnel to go to this offer that you know you can convert. And then it's about ROI focus scale.
So you're like, okay, Jim, that's interesting offer. What are you talking about? Like free trial, 20% off. No, let, let, let's go much deeper. So this is a, another formula framework that I've stolen. It's from the book, A Million Dollar Offer, the, the links here. But as we're thinking through these offers, here are the four levers you have to pull. First is, what is the dream outcome people have when using your product, your software, that is? The second is, you know, is it making them money, saving them time, reaching status? The the second is likelihood of achievement. If they do this, hey, how likely is it that this is going to happen? The things you need to work, not against, but be aware of is time delay gratification. People will pay more time, more money for speed. There's a million examples of this, right? So how can we get them to your magic moment as quickly as possible? If you have a SaaS product that's saving people time, money, or wowing them with experience, how can you use your product as your marketing and get them in there? The fourth and final one is effort or sacrifice. What effort do I have to take to do this? Like if it's to get a six pack, so it's easy. You just have to work out for five hours a day. It's like, that sounds really hard. Or if it's, hey, fill out this four question survey to see if we can save you 50K, you're like, I'm all about it. So with these four levers, what can you what can you pull? But let me give you some examples of this in action. So this is probably, this is a masterclass in offers right here. This is Main Street and look at what they're doing. Get 50K plus back from the IRS in 20 minutes if you're a startup. And it's basically saying, hey, you know, you know, we do all the paperwork, you get the cash, it costs you nothing. We take a percentage of the money we make for you. And then it's rolling through all these founders and the money they made from the IRS or from the serp, but by testing them out. So it's literally no work for you. It's free found money just by talking to an expert and it's free onboarding. They do it for you. So it's truly a no-brainer offer, right? If you're a startup, like they're going to find 50 to 100K for you potentially. We'll go to another one. This is Ladder and what they're doing in the insurance space. You know, So 100K to 3 million in coverage for people 20 to 60, no medical exam because that's a huge point of friction only takes five minutes start to finish. So that time delay gratification. We'll go through some more. We'll go in the consumer space. This is Curology. They raised over $50 million on the back of this funnel. It's a masterclass for quiz funnels. But they're basically saying, hey, you know, going to a dermatologist is hard and annoying. We do it all online. You get to text with a dermatologist for free. By the way, we give you your first product for free if you subscribe. It's truly a no-brainer offer if you're trying to fight aging skin or acne to get in the funnel. The same with HEMS. The point of friction was around, you know, whether it's hair loss or ED, it you don't want to go to the office. You don't want to sit in a waiting room. You don't want to sit in pharmacy lines and, and deal with that stress and anxiety. It's all online to talk with somebody. Today's episode is brought to you by Inside.com. Are you a founder, marketer, or executive that's looking for the next untapped social channel? Then look no further. Seriously. This one just launched and it's already getting insane traffic. It's like the website love child of Reddit and Twitter, but for business. I love it because it's the social news site and community site that actually cuts through the noise, unlike other platforms. I can discover content from other founders, plus it's a great place to share my own thoughts with professionals. I'm actually starting to get a little bit of traffic from it. For me, I like the topics feature because I can easily jump into Inside. I can filter by startup content, e-commerce content, or marketing content to find things to help me learn or to help me make my own business decisions. Plus, they host AMAs, 
That means ask me anything so you can connect with other like-minded professionals. It's more than just news. It's an efficient way to grow your network with impressive business minds. I was sold on them because of the team behind it, Alex and Jason. This is the brainchild of Jason Kalkanis. He's one of the hosts of my favorite podcast, The All In Podcast. He's an icon in the business world, the startup world, and he knows content. So you know the qualities there. Last, you might want to grab your inside URL before someone else does. Luckily, I got Jim Huffman before my nemesis in Minnesota got it. If you want to connect with me, go to inside.com, search my name, and let's chat. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast or what you think of Insight. Let me know what you think. So maybe you can't do all four of these, but in your offer, can you play to the dream outcome? Can you minimize the effort or sacrifice? What's the time delay gratification? Or can you talk about your success rate in the likelihood of achievement? If you can nail this, Oh man, your marketing is going to be so much easier. It's going to work so much harder for you if, if you can pull this off. So I'll, I'll pause there. Are there any comments or questions on personas or offers that we've gone through? And then we'll kind of do a choose your own adventure. I have a, another path that we could go down, but any comments or questions on this? There's a couple questions in the chat. If you all want to hop <laughs> off mute and ask them directly, go for it. Yeah. Jim, this is Joelle from Stand. I had a question about, I love your personas. And just to re, I was just trying to kind of reframe it in a different way to kind of let it fully sink in. And I was wondering if you would consider those three kind of at the various positions across the buyer journey as well. Would the informed be the one kind of maybe about to make the decision because they're aware they have a problem? They're consider they have considered other options. So they're a little more knowledgeable about what's in the market and they're kind of ready to pull the trigger you know, and then subsequently down from there, right? Afflicted, maybe more in that, not just approaching consideration phase, oblivious, like not even in awareness yet. Like they kind of know they have something, but they're not even sure like the root of it or what's causing it. I was just curious your thoughts there. Yeah, I think that's a a really smart thought is like the oblivious could be very top of funnel where how do we even get their attention to care? And then the afflicted is almost like, why should they even think about this? And then the informed is almost like, why you? Right. So awesome. It's, yeah. The, the thing is, like, are we selling a category? Or are we selling against incumbents and competitors? Because I there, there's some fun examples around that. Like a classic example, like Campbell's Soup used to have to sell against We Are Food, and they would do campaigns like We Are a Meal. So they're trying to compete with, hey, we are an option for meals. But then you have to like Southwest Airlines. It's like bags fly free. It's like, why fly us versus everybody else? Dave Kellogg, a, a really talented investor, has a fun frameworking blog around that. But that, that's a really good thought. Thank you. Of course. Oh, yeah. Really good question from Adam. Average time to see in this phase. Oh, man, that's a good question. The answer is really annoying because it's, it's it depends. We've had some startups where we would test this framework or a similar framework on five different personas where we're doing custom ads and landing pages, just trying to see, do we lean into the problem? Some SaaS companies, it's just a hero feature because they're switching over and what makes the most sense. But yeah, I, I don't know. I, I My big thing is trying to be decisive and have those metrics or signals that tell you if this is working or not, which can be really hard when you have limited resources to drive high volume of traffic. Okay, so let's go to some examples or case studies. I'm gonna, so what I could do is 
I've got a few different things we can do. We can, I can do a full, I have two full funnels of a B2B company, a B2C funnel, like a best in class funnel that they're doing. So I can go that path, or I can talk about activation tactics and strategies that you could think through deploying. Okay. You know, what are your options to try and get people to care. And this is an order of least expensive to most expensive. So, you know, you can give a free course, you can do quiz, you can do content. And there's great examples of that. We can give early access to products, superhuman, put on a masterclass of this. We can do bundles, we can do BOGOs, we can do discounts, we can do freemium offers, free trials. Now it's starting to get expensive. We can do a giveaway, whether you're Robinhood, whether you're Morning Brew, whether you're a D2C company, there's different ways to do giveaways. You can do a free product for referring, whether you're Dropbox or you're Harry's, that's worked very well. Or we can straight up pay people. We can pay people to be our customers. I mean, PayPal was burning, what, like a million dollars a month, just giving out 15 and $25 credits. So let, let's like remove our framework of growth and it's like gun to your head. You have to get customers. What do you do? Here's the scale to play with. So obviously we can do upgrades, eBooks and courses. This actually, especially with sales can work really well. This is a fun example. I'll talk about this for a second. This was a Techstars company out of New York that a fuel oil was in the trucking space, had a software product and a hardware product that plugged into the gas tank of semis. And here was their problem. They get on a sales call and the conversion rate was really low, but their big insight was their sales rate or the close rate went up really high when one thing happened. And it's before the sales call, people were reading their eBooks. They downloaded them or they watched the keynote of the founder talking because they already were bought in on this new kind of category this new innovation and the value it could have. So the sales calls went into onboarding calls. This really helped them kind of go up the growth curve quite aggressively by over-investing in their content. I'll be honest, even at Growth Hit, before our sales calls, we give them all of our stuff for free. Here's our book. Here's this. Because we're not trying to compete. We want to be a market of one. We're like, oh, we love your philosophy. Like, how do we get started? This is something for any B2B company works really well. Big fan of engineering is marketing. I have some other fun examples, but obviously like mortgage companies have mortgage calculators. Solar companies have solar panel calculators. You saw the Wealthfront calculator. HubSpot launched on the back of their website grader. What are these tools that you can make? Let me highlight this one from Buffer. Um, Buffer did something really smart when they were launching their SaaS company, their social media scheduling tool. They did a course, like the epic ultimate course on social media marketing. But here's why it's smart. They didn't do it as a YouTube channel. They did it as an email course that they would drip out to you. It was over 25 days. Their email list skyrocketed and they trained you to open their emails because there would always be good content in it. That way, after you master social media and the course and you're running it for a brand, you're going to probably use their tech stack to do it. Superhuman. We have a site called Funnel Teardowns where we break down everything they did for their launch. And if you're not familiar, they made you request access to, to get into it. And to request access, you had to get invited from somebody. So in like the VC world and the agency world, it was kind of a status thing to have superhuman at the bottom of your inbox. My partner and I still have it there just as like a social experiment to see how people comment on it, which is kind of funny, but that's much easier said than done. 
And again, this is a Chrome extension for email that they made cool and sexy. Very, very impressive. Robinhood. This is, I think, the best referral mechanism I've seen, but it's because their offer was so good. I mean, look at this. Robinhood, zero commission stock stock trading at a time when you're paying seven bucks a trade on Ameritrade. You would get early access. You get on the list. Like, all right, you're on the list, but you're not going to get access for a while. There's this many people ahead of you. But if you share this with your friends, if you invite it to people, you can move up in the list. They got their wait list to over half a million with, with this mechanism. One other thing that I'll hit on real quick is a best practice for landing pages when you're thinking through your offer. So Optimizely is an A-B testing tool that they look at. They did this study on the top 2,000 landing pages and the things they had in common. There was five things. I'll go through them real quick by picking on our website. And crap, I wish I had the updated one, but that's fine. Okay, your headline. Your headline should not talk about your features or your product. Your headline should be a benefit-focused statement that uses a very special word called you or your that talks about the dream outcome or the problem you're, you're, you're solving. The second thing, your hero image or video should align with that benefit-focused second-person statement. The third thing, the copy below your headline, this is where you can talk about your features, where you can say, you know, what you actually offer, and but do this in conversational language. The fourth thing, have social proof. That could be logos, testimonials, stats, whatever that is. The fifth and final thing, don't have a generic call to action like get started, join now. Have the unique next step in the journey. The goal of your landing page or homepage is not to go for the jugular. It's to just go to that next step. We're not proposing. We're just trying to get a second date. If that's a demo, if that's a download, whatever that is. Yeah, we talk about quiz funnels, whether it's B2B or B2C. One thing, and sorry, I probably should have a little bit more B2B examples, but it's worth calling out Third Love. They were going after Victoria's Secret. So they're entering a crowded space with a big incumbent. So you have to decide what hill you're going to die on, where you're going to compete. They decided to compete on fit. And so that's very prevalent when you come to their page, where it's like 80% of women are wearing the wrong bra size, or you take our quiz to find the right product for you, really pushing the, the fitting room. So they really knew as we look at the afflicted persona that has a problem, they're pouring salt in that wound with how they're trying to solve it. You got discounts and bundles that you can do. You, you have giveaways that you can do. I'll actually, so this is a giveaway we did for, for our book where you would enter the giveaway. And we did a giveaway of over four grand. But what we said is you could enter more than one time if you took these action steps. And so there's tools you can do, kickoff labs, viral loops. Uh, this one's Gleam to kind of engineer this. We did this test with the Neobank where we would just do monthly drops of $250 in cold, hard cash. And I don't know why I said cold, hard cash. It's just cash. That was like some of the taglines we use. It's ingrained in me. We got this wait list, I think, to 40000 just on the back of this because we created that referral mechanism. I've got more B2C examples here, referral. Actually, let me share this one. Harry's had a really impressive one with a tiered approach to referrals, where if you would get on the list, they're like, all right, you're on the wait list. But by the way, if you invite five people, you get shaving cream, 25 people, you get our wits and shave set. If you invite 50 people, we'll give you a year supply of blades. 
They got their wait list to a th- 100,000 people on the back of this one. And then we've all seen the Dropbox example. I mean, this got them to their billion-dollar valuation and eventually went public where they would give you free cloud storage space for inviting people as opposed to paying for a paid subscription. Let's see here. Another thing, whenever this is one SaaS company we were work, working with, Labster, it's really think like what is the right way to activate somebody? They were really conflicted where do we do just like a pricing page and that's it? Do we do sales-based growth? Do we do product-led growth? So we tested everything. We did free trials. We did a freemium version. We did content downloads and white papers. We would do pre-recorded demos. We would then do calls. And what we found was for different personas, for them, they're selling virtual lab simulations to universities and high schools. Those are two totally different people. And marketing in the US versus the UK versus in India was completely different. So we had something like 15 different funnels going because it really varied by persona. Another one that's kind of a masterclass, like I think we take it for granted now, but it's worth doing a victory lap for Zoom on their activation strategy with the 40 minutes free. That's very strategic and how they did that. It was so easy to create account. Everybody's got a Zoom account, but they're all free. But then to activate to pay that threshold of 40 minutes, which is pricing based off usage rather than features is my favorite. And then really pushing to annual because that helps with your cash conversion cycle as, as a business owner. Okay, this is maybe, we'll say this is my favorite. What convert kit did. So a lot of you, if you have a product where you have to get people to switch to yours, switching cost is very real. And depending on the category, it can be very high. I would say with your CRM or sales tools or email, it can be the highest. So with ConvertKit, they did a great job of selling on features and going after specific categories of creators. But their issue was that people... Or like, I want to use you, but I don't want to switch from MailChimp. They've had my emails for years. That sounds exhausting. So look what they did. They started making custom pages for people switching from these tools. Look at their footer. They have switching from, they have all their competitors. And then they launched a free service where they would switch for you. They literally switched me from Campaign Monitor to ConvertKit. It took four weeks. They had to have lost so much money. But over the lifetime value, like I'm there for a very long time, they, they will be making their money up. I hit on the wealth front example. And another thing that's worth thinking through is some of these examples I'm showing you are a little dated. What's the innovative and new version of that? Like this one is Mint. This is an old one. They, when Mint, the personal finance app launched, they tried all the tried and true stuff. It didn't work. But then infographics were becoming a thing. Content marketing was a thing. That started to work so well. They abandoned everything and went all in on this. They got their blog to 1.5 million views or visitors and sold to Intuit for 170 million bucks. They would do evergreen content where it's, you know, you know, financial planning for Americans, 10 things to know, or they would do timely things like end of the year tax tips. So what's the new version of this? So we're testing this. We we're going all in on short form video content to see if that can be good top of funnel legion where we launch damn good marketing where we just do like epic case studies of marketing stunts, PR stunts for B2B and B2C companies. And we put a line in the sand. We're going to do 30 videos, highest production value we can do and see what happens. We ended up getting two of them to a million in views. So we're like, hey, we think this works and has traction. Now we're seeing if we can 
kind of funnel people to the different things that we do. So is it, so always think outside the box. Like, okay, this worked in the past. This exact thing might not work now, but what's the modern day version of that, right? So so something to, to think through. All right, let me um, go to some quick case studies of some best-in-class B2B and B2C funnels. And then if we have time, I can talk about how to run growth at the very end. I have some slides on that. All right, so we all know HubSpot, marketing automation tool. What are they doing? They're best-in-class. What are they doing? Where can we get inspiration? First, what's their goal? Their goal is to turn leads into free trials that will ideally convert to pay for their subscription product. You can use a tool like SimilarWeb to see where all their traffic is coming from and where they're spending money. They're really good at SEO. They've been around for quite a long time. Obviously, their direct game is really good. If you look at their top social channels, it's LinkedIn and then YouTube. Okay, their top of funnel tactics. In the early days, they did engineering as marketing and they had the site grader where Dharmesh Shah threw this up on the weekend where you could enter in your URL and it would audit it from an SEO and CRO perspective and give you a score. And then it's like, okay, it's a 72%. Here's how to make it better. Use our software. Their ads, they're very good at content marketing with SEO, with viral content, with infographics, short form video. Yeah. With their ads, all of their ads just give away free products. They're not trying to go for demos and sales. Most of their ads are around, hey, here's our free CRM. Here's our template for starting a newsletter campaign. Similar to Buffer, wanting to get you into that funnel to be thought leaders to eventually use their stuff. On the content marketing side, They've gone huge on podcasts by starting their own podcast network. They've acquired companies or media companies in the podcast space, assuming because that's where their personas are living and wanting to be kind of in, 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 their, in their ears. They have a, obviously inbound their event that they do every year. So you can see all the stuff they're doing. Again, they're a huge publicly traded company, but just giving you some inspiration. What could you be doing? Picking one of these to do it extremely well. As we go to middle of the funnel, how are they activating? They're doing some really good stuff here where they have content upgrades on their blog to get you into their email list. A lot of free tools. They give you the CRM for free. They give you the site grader. Their nurture sequences are very good if you look at their email drip campaigns, but then they can go for the jugular. What, they're trying to get you on a call, get you to do a demo, and they always have the pricing exposed so you could jump in. So based on where you're at in the journey, they have different ways that they can activate you. And then, then at bottom of the funnel, the software is not cheap. They know this is going to be a competitive deal. So they lean into that. They've gone all in for reviews on G2 Crowd to be really good with CRMs and marketing tools. Whenever you Google HubSpot versus Marketo, it is a knife fight for that ranking, but they're up there wanting to help you make that decision because they know who you're looking at. And then their sales team is armed with discounts they can give you once you're in the free trial to activate. All right. So that, that's one B2B funnel that's kind of best in class. <clears throat> Let's look at Curology, a best in class B2C funnel. Again, this is a subscription product for personalized skincare. Their main goal is to get you to subscribe, which is the hardest thing to do in D2C. As we look at their traffic, they're doing well on search, a lot on referrals and social. What's interesting, their top social channels are Pinterest, then Facebook, then YouTube, then Instagram. Um, you know, for ads, happy to go deeper on this, but doing TikTok style of content, but for Facebook and Meta or Meta and Instagram ads, 
performs phenomenally well. And if you look at the Facebook ad library for what they're doing, it's all right there. Their content isn't to go viral. It's very much high intent. They're doing the no breakout makeup tutorial, the, you know, the, the bedtime face wash routine for girls that have acne. They're doing this on YouTube. They're doing this on Medium. So that's at top of the funnel. Middle of the funnel, they're doing something really impressive. Their email flows, they get a certain data point from you. Are you a teenager with acne? Are you the parent of a teenager with acne? Or do you have aging skin? Based on the one of those three personas, they have custom flows for you. So it speaks your language because how you talk to a 17-year-old is very different from how you talk to a 37-year-old. But here's what's really impressive. They connect you with a dermatologist through SMS. Their game is subscription. They care about retention. This is how they hold on to you because you're getting that access to a dermatologist through SMS. But their most impressive thing is their quiz funnel. I, it's all here on how they're doing it. Their homepage, very impressive. They drop you into the funnel. They get your email right away. They expose the price right away because it's free. You just pay shipping. It's a visual-based quiz funnel. Notice how they have the progress bar. All you can do is take the quiz or bounce. It's visual rather than text-based. They get your credit card information before they ask you the hardest ask, which is to upload pictures of your face because nobody wants to do that. You might be taking this quiz in a place where you can't do that. But if they have their credit card information, you're definitely going to do it. And then they educate you on the treatment plan, connect you with the dermatologist through SMS to really get their re retention going. So anyway, that's I went through those kind of quickly, but those are two like best in class funnels for B2B and B2C. I'm going to ask another selfish question. Sorry, Joelle, again, from stand. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this is so something I've been like, it's a wonderful problem to have because as you've been talking this whole time, I'm just like, oh, we should do that. Oh my gosh, we should do that. Oh, that's a great idea. We should do that too. But I would love your opinion having started so many companies from the bottom up with small teams that have, you know, we're so pressed for time. It's a struggle to even get one thing done on the marketing side because we're so, so focused on like that customer experience and like really, really cherishing the, the product onboarding. If you had to dwindle it down personally, okay, if it were me, the first thing I would say you do is that make this thing awesome and then go here and then go here and then go here. I'd love to just kind of hear your strategic thoughts on how to start super small. Like what's one thing I can do today, you know, with the rest of today yeah. that would make the biggest impact in your opinion. Yeah, I, I'll, I'll answer that two ways. The short answer is I like to start at the bottom and work up. I get really bummed when people will overspend and hire agencies just to run ads, but they haven't thought about messaging. They haven't thought about their offer or how to activate. So that, that's like a very quick answer. The other thing to think through is look at what you're doing and ask a very simple question. What is kind of working? Even if it's not scalable, but it's working and it's not the hardest thing versus what you wanna do or think you should be doing, but is really hard and isn't working. So with that framework, I would really lean into where you have momentum. I would really go in, even if it's not scalable, if it's like, hey, it's doing the podcast interviews, it's you know me having to get on stage, it's me I'm doing cold email outreach or whatever. If it's working, you're probably not working. You, everyone here is working hard. I don't want to question that. But you're not working as hard on it at the scale that you should be doing. Like someone... There's a funny story. Someone like launched a gym. They're like, they're like, do flyers. Like, yeah, I did flyers. I did 300. Nobody came in. And the person's like, don't do 300. You need to do 5,000. And he's like, wow, I'm not working at the right scale. Even with how we do content, we're putting out like seven things a week. We should be doing 70. 
right? So it's like, how can you like think exponentially on that? And the other framework I would put through is what is overvalued versus undervalued? I think what is really undervalued is phenomenal copywriting, phenomenal attention to detail on brand and culture and like what you're trying to stand for because it's hard. What's overvalued is, and I'm, I'm taking a shot at myself as an agency, well, let's just hire an agency that do that. You know, it's like some of that stuff needs to be done. So I, I don't know if the answer is quite like to give you a true question. It's like start at the bottom of the funnel and, and work your, your way up and go where you have momentum, even if it, it isn't scalable right now. This is Hannah from Gather Flora, and we're in the phase of really trying to understand what our offer should be. We understand that our customers have a pain around planning, particularly in advance. Mm-hmm. So they're trying to buy flowers, let's call it two weeks ahead of time, and they haven't been able to do that. So we're kind of getting conversions on advertisements, but when we come to that moment of like, hey, give us your email because we're going to help you plan easier, that's, you're probably registering that as a weak offer already. So we're trying to iterate on how to how to really understand what our offer should be. And I saw some things around timeline and really cinching in that value in clear terms. Would you just recommend like A-B testing different value offers until you're getting something that really converts or any other thoughts about how to hone our offer? Yeah, really, really good call out. So first off, I'm, I'm glad you brought this up because whenever we're testing this, don't put the pressure on yourself. We're like, I need to be a rainmaker and I need to come up with the one offer that's going to change the world. Go the opposite way. Be like, I'm going to think of 20 of them. 17 are going to be horrible but quantity leads to quality, right? Is like a way to think about it and and try and test. Even right now, if you go to our growth at website, we're testing like a bunch of different pop-ups for email capture and we're about to get more extreme. And it's, it's like trying to get to that volume. And so th- that's one thing I would think too. So don't put pressure on yourself. Your first one needs to be, because if you knock out of the park with the first one, will you like, please come work with us, mentor us? Like that, that'd be amazing. But the other thing is, it sounds like people are reactive, not proactive. Where is there a time where they are proactive? What is something so good that like they they would do it regardless? Because I, I hear you on that. That's hard. Whenever this is kind of not an afterthought, but it's 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 not something that they're 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 working around. And that's where I would even go to that framework of the kind of spectrum of the different things you could do and see how extreme you could be. Well, hi, Jim. My name's Jason. I'm co-founder of Silico Data. What we do is we automate manufacturing quality assurance for pharmaceutical companies. This question is about the four types of marketing that we started off with, paid organic partnership channels, and I forgot the fourth one. But Virality, um, yeah. What we're trying to, oh, that's right, vi- virality. What we are exploring is working with strategic partnerships because in the pharma industry, it's people, they, they really value the relationship. So did you have any thoughts on the effectiveness of ad campaigns when you're working with a strategic partner? Yeah, I I would think of it almost as like an ABM approach, account-based marketing, where what's exciting is when you know who these partners are, 
you can get even more specific in the language in your go-to-market approach where you want them to feel like all of a sudden you're everywhere. So the way I'd be thinking about that is, you know, where are they online? And even with your ads, how it can be specifically targeted to their persona, to the problems they have, even if it's top of funnel or middle of the funnel with higher intent to do that. And I actually just did a podcast interview with the CMO of Veronis, Rob Sobers, he grew it from 20 million to now a 2 billion valuation. And Channel Partners is like their biggest, is one of their biggest kind of go-to-market strategies. So we talked to that a little bit, but but I would do it. I would just want to be very targeted with, with those ads, whether it's on LinkedIn. And even if you're doing them on, on social or Google, where you can do have them self-select in personas and do some heavy retargeting. But when you can have sales and marketing working together on that, that, that would be really nice. But the metrics I'd be looking at for success would be very different than a broad range approach of D2C or a SaaS that's more broad where you're going for free trials and leads. Yours, you're going to have to be a little bit more lenient, maybe on like impressions, awareness, or click-throughs and, and different things like that. And it'll be more expensive, but that's but it's a smaller audience. All right, okay, everyone. Thank you. That's all the time that we have. Jim, how can folks get in touch with you if they'd like to learn more? Should they book you oh, through yeah. GrowthHit? Should, what, what, how can people interact? Yeah, I'm just Jim at GrowthHit.com. We publish all the things we're doing, Dumb or Smart, on Twitter. And then I'll put the links to stuff. Yeah, just Jim at GrowthHit.com. I'm around, but again, I mean, you guys are all doing really cool. And it's fun to, I love seeing the updates of the startups that are coming through Techstars. I'm like, oh, wow. Which I would have thought of that and that and that and that, but you guys, <laughs> it's so cool to see that. But yeah, just Jim at Growth Hit. I'll give a few plugs. First, I send a weekly newsletter each Thursday featuring five articles or tools that have helped me. You can sign up for these weekly updates at jimwhuffman.com. Second, for anyone running a startup, if you need help growing your business, check out GrowthHit. GrowthHit serves as your external growth team. After working with over 100 startups and generating a quarter billion in sales for clients, GrowthIt has perfected a growth process that's hell-bent on driving ROI through rapid experiments. Plus, you'll get to work with yours truly. So if you want to work with a team that's worked with startups that have been funded by Andreessen Horowitz or featured on Shark Tank, then check out GrowthHit.com. And finally, I wrote a book called The Growth Marketer's Playbook that takes everything I've learned as a growth mentor for venture-backed startups, and I've distilled it down to 140 pages. So instead of hiring a growth team, save yourself some money, get the book, and you can just do it yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I'd love to hear feedback. I'm on Twitter at Jim W. Huffman. Today's episode is brought to you by Inside.com. Are you a founder, marketer, or executive that's looking for the next untapped social channel? Then look no further. Seriously, this one just launched and it's already getting insane traffic. It's like the website love child of Reddit and Twitter, but for business. I love it because it's the social news site and community site that actually cuts through the noise, unlike other platforms. I can discover content from other founders, plus it's a great place to share my own thoughts with professionals. I'm actually starting to get a little bit of traffic from it. For me, I like the topics feature because I can easily jump into Inside. I can filter by startup content, e-commerce content, or marketing content to find things to help me learn or to help me make my own business decisions. 
Plus, they host AMAs, that means Ask Me Anything, so you can connect with other like-minded professionals. It's more than just news, it's an efficient way to grow your network with impressive business minds. I was sold on them because of the team behind it, Alex and Jason. This is the brainchild of Jason Kalkanis. He's one of the hosts of my favorite podcast, The All In Podcast. He's an icon in the business world, the startup world, and he knows content. So you know the quality's there. Last, you might want to grab your inside URL before someone else does. Luckily, I got Jim Huffman before my nemesis in Minnesota got it. If you want to connect with me, go to insight.com, search my name, and let's chat. I'd love to know what you think of the podcast or what you think of Insight. Let me know what you think.